2: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: The Around the NFL
4: podcast will flatten your curve. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hantis, and I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey. Not a lot of curve flattening happening in this house, I'll tell you that much. Slightly annoyed. (laughs) Whoa. It's like a (laughs) screwball. Wait wait a second. We have one more guest on uh, today's very special edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Wow. He is the senior national writer for FoxSports.com.
5: It's like the 96 Bulls, He's going to say. With the man in the middle.
4: <laughs> he is co-host of Good Morning Football, the iconic NFL Network morning show. He writes for GQ. He's the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Out of the Blue. And that's everything that you could read on his Twitter bio. Peter Schrager, welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast.
6: Yes, that went from sounding like the 96 Bulls to an episode of Silk Stockings on USA. (laughs)
4: Silk Stockings. That's funny that you bring that up because Silk Stockings is kind of the the cleaner or the goody two-shoes stepsister of Red Shoe Diaries, which came up on uh, Monday's program.
6: Yes, and on Friday we'll talk about Emmanuel in space, <laughs>
4: <laughs> an epic. Peter, f- Peter, give me a little backup on this because I didn't get it yesterday. In and fil- in films and programs on certain channels late night in the mid '90s, is it fair to say that fifty percent of those programs involved virtual reality headgear <laughs> yes, in the plot?
6: Absolutely. And then the movie Johnny Mnemonic came out with Keanu Reeves, and it was like er- Demolition Man. That was everyone's. Yeah. And now here we are in 2020 living in bunkers and in quarantines and very little virtual reality headsets being used. Nah,
4: feels like a missed opportunity, ultimately.
6: (laughs) This was the time.
4: Peter, welcome back to the show. How are you doing in this uh, obviously unprecedented time in human history?
6: Uh, Dan, I'm a lot better now. All things considered, we're all in great shape because everyone's healthy that is in this household. But I was in New York in our apartment and... After a few days of New York City living with uh, my wife, who's also working, myself, who was in the middle of free agent frenzy, and a three-year-old son, uh, those 1,200 square feet continued to get a little little more mm. cramped. Um, I made a the first really father, big boy, adult decision of my life. I basically walked to Enterprise Rental Car. In Brooklyn, Mm. I said, Can I get an SUV? I got one for two weeks. I said, Can I just pack it up with as much of his toys, my sons, as we can? Let's hit the road. Our in laws have a basement, and we have relocated from an apartment in Brooklyn to now a basement in Baltimore, Maryland, where you can see a Super Bowl poster <laughs> from Super Bowl 35 when the Ravens with Brandon Stokely wow. and Trent Dilfer out, uh, did a little bit better than Kerry Collins and Joe Jaravicious and won a Super Bowl <laughs> down in Tampa. That is our decoration in our back. But we have now been here about three weeks living in a basement. Uh, my wife, Myself and my son and then our fabulous in-laws for taking us in, uh, Mm. Sarah and David, have been unbelievable hosts, but this is what it is. Don't cry for us. There's a lot worse situations, but it's a long way from being at the Combine and uh, getting in an elevator with Sessler and talking about (laughs) where we want to go for steak dinner tomorrow night.
4: Yeah, it, it is. we might as well unpack that right now. How are things with uh, Sessler and Schrager? Because uh, Mark did share that story. He kind of he kind of presented it as a bit of an awkward, almost like a curb your enthusiasm type exchange. With, well, and it uh, ended, all right. It ended with the the famous uh, comment. I love you, bro.
3: Like I I think the only thing that was awkward was the clipped. Uh, time period because you know you got in we were having a chat and then my my door the the floor to, to my the room the door to my floor opened up I get out and I'm like I, you know I haven't seen Peter Schrager in a long time there's this online uh you know you're here you, you mentioned you've been hearing about these whispers of a feud I thought <laughs> this is <laughs> tough to unpack in eight to nine seconds um inside a a metal box the door opens I get out I'm like I have to close this conversation well what if i don't see peter again what if a uh a pandemic were to hit the country and i wouldn't get a chance to circle back with peter and i just said all the first thing that came to my heart which was love you bro yeah which i think that's you know that's i don't think that's negative i saw that as a i'm not sure when i'll see you again i wish mm. the best for you
6: as that door closed and the steel (laughs) pipes combined i whispered it wasn't audible i whispered love you too
5: <laughs> oh, so, it was
6: definitely you might have missed the exchange, but it wasn't just a monologue. That was a dialogue, mm. and I'll I'll go one further. There's an arrogance to me saying I'm not sure what's going on on your podcast. So, you know, I hear a lot of stuff on Twitter. I, I knew it all. I listen all the time, guys. <laughs> I also, but I had to take the high road and be a little bit like you know TV guy. I don't. I, I'm not really involved with what you're talking about. But I knew, and it actually hurt my heart thinking that Sesler felt there was a feud. Mm. Right. Well, you said you, Mark, you
2: handled it first? with extreme poise. You said your first instinct was love you, bro, but actually your first instinct was to make a list of the people you respected most at the company and not include
4: Peter. Well, let's let's back up the truck a little bit, because if you're new to the show, you should know how this started. Mark has been on something of a quest over the past almost 12 months looking for respect in the industry, and uh, when Peter joined us poolside at the NFL Media Talent Summit, uh, on the uh, west side of Los Angeles. Uh, Dan, it let me, also, explain, let me yeah. explain.
6: June 2019. <laughs> June 2019. Just as timestamp that. Okay,
4: Timestamp, yeah. and this is what happened.
3: When you look around <laughs> the circle here at the four of us, which one do you respect the most? Which one do you respect the most? Which one do you respect the most? The most?
4: Now, it's not important what the answer was. I, I think it might have <laughs> been me. Maybe it was Wes. I don't remember the answer from Peter in that moment. Uh, But because Mark didn't get it from you, he's been asking multiple guests on our show, Pete, for like that same thing. He's looking for that validation. And maybe the tip unsolicited totally, Peter, if that ever happened again, maybe whoever asked the question, you just say say it to them because obviously that's what they're looking for. I'm just going to say out of it otherwise.
6: Obviously. And I knew that at the time, but I found the question to be to be so so self-serving for Mark at that moment <laughs> <laughs> that I couldn't just lo- I mean look he did a deep dive on sideline reporters probably 2 years ago I was interviewed for it it was one of the best articles I've read on the profession he's done stuff on on Cleveland Browns that that I've read that is some of the most fantastic sports writing you will find this kid is as good a journalist and writer that the NFL network has under its umbrella but you can't just give out bouquets and roses you got to keep them honest and you got to keep them hungry and I think his work has actually gotten better and steadily improved since that comment was made poolside. Would you agree?
3: I think I I would say this, that, uh, you know, yes, that's true. You galvanized me to a certain extent. (laughs) Um, And I I don't think that article would have even made it to publication were your words not involved Mm. in it. So we'll go there, number two. But, you know, some of the great, uh, you know, relationships that began as feuds, I would think to the iconic uh, friendship between Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan with Greg sort of playing the Miss Elizabeth role in all of this. Uh, the mega powers explode. Up. Very, very productive relationship. So I just think you know we're in a tough time in our country. Mm. Let's use this as a as a tent pole moment and move forward. Um, I've heard the words I need to see. In fact, I might just log off here and go make myself lunch because I feel good. <laughs>
6: Before
4: yeah, I, we <laughs> go ahead, Peter.
6: I feel great about it too. I you know you brought up a wrestling reference which is fair. I would think almost. Farv and Rogers. now they take their they're like you know buddies they go and they hang out in in Hattiesburg Mississippi or wherever you know they can I and there was an obvious feud and now they've gotten over it and I think everyone is better for it and I'm ready to bury mm. whatever hatchets were there mm. I just want to hug you virtually
4: now yeah, the only I, problem I, with that I am doing that too the only problem with that comparison is that I bet Rogers and Farve actually still hate each other but you know that's <laughs> Wes you you have such a good view on things clear-headed you're a shaman uh, can you please come on. Uh, can you please put a bow on this whole thing before we can get into the dr- mock draft from Peter?
5: Well, I think the bow would be that Peter clearly respects Mark and Greg, but Dan and I are up for grabs still. <laughs> oh, come on,
2: <laughs> come on, that checks out. I, oh I did God. find
5: it interesting. Now we,
2: that Peter is taking credit for any growth that Mark uh, has made over the last six days, <laughs> somehow I made was it a about nice me. Move. That was a little,
4: nice move. Nice right, move. Puppet Peter. master. So we uh, we obviously, well, not obviously, but we're not the most um, accomplished journo's when it comes to college football. Uh, one it's pretty thing obvious to respect about Peter Schrager is that. Peter knows the whole thing. He's he's plugged in. He's a, he's a great uh, NFL insider. But if you're looking for um, a mock draft, he's one of the top guys to go to as well because he has that knowledge of the game, college and pro level. And he's plugged in as an insider. Um, and before we get into the mock, Peter, I, just, I guess I'm curious a little bit your process for when you do a, an exercise list like this a mock draft by the way good job by you i don't like if i were like a, a respected college or, or mock guy i wouldn't do 11 mocks either because i feel like that cheapens the brand you do 1 2 maybe um i know mayako's next level just doesn't he drop one like right before the draft but you this is your first Not one anymore, that just came yeah. out that is, that's respect
6: yeah um two things one I, I told NFL.com because they were like, let's start it off before the – I got no, no, no. Let's do one after free agency when I actually know what the rosters look like and then let's do one more two weeks later and then the day before the draft I'll do a third and final one. And we said, OK, that's a good compromise set of like 11 of them. Second of all, my process is very different than, than Daniel Jeremiah's, Bucky Brooks. Um, Maurice Jones-Drew. Mine, I will tell you guys right now, and I think you guys are good, are better at this stuff than I am. I am not an X's and O's guy. I can't tell you the first thing about what a player does in the nickel as opposed to when he's just a lone corner. Like, I could talk the talk, but I would never fancy myself to tell you, here's what I think the team should do. And I think when we look at Daniel and we look at um, Bucky and we look at some of these guys, uh, McShay and Kuyper, a lot of what theirs is, is here's what they should do. I fancy myself as the guy who bases everything on this and I'll text around and be like, what are you hearing? What do you think? What about this guy? Does this guy make sense there? And if there's a former coach who used to work on a staff elsewhere, does that seem like it fits the tendencies of this coach? So everything that I put forward, is based on intelligence from other people. I would never fancy myself to be able to, to be Ozzie Newsom and put my, myself in his shoes, but rather I know people who might know Ozzie Newsom, who might know what Ozzie Newsom might do if the board was to fall this way.
3: Your in-laws in Baltimore are potentially you ru- friends with Ozzie Newsom. Yeah,
6: potentially, they're not.
4: <laughs> and that's how I, I want it. I want my mock draft that I read coming from a guy that's making phone calls and not just looking at the roster and throwing darts. So let's get into it. Uh, that was a shot across Jeremiah's uh, bow. Um, number one on your list. Uh, let's just kind of go through it. We'll speed through the first round here. Um, Joe Burrow, you have it. Number one. Did you think, and there's been a lot of um, theorizing that, Cincinnati finally spent some money essentially for Joe Burrow to convince him. Do you buy into that? Did you hear anything like that in conversations you've had? Or is that more just like a theory that's caught fire a little bit amongst the football Cognacente?
6: Cognacente. Uh, leading into the combine, there's a lot of talk that Burrow didn't want to be a Bengal. I got to the combine, spoke to people in Burrows world. Also, Burrow's world, also spoke to people in the Bengals organization. I think that there's a miscommunication of, I don't want to be a bangle, I'm going to be like Eli, or I'm going to be like Elway, I won't show up, to, hey, I'm down to play wherever, instead of saying, I want to be a Bangle. So there's just like middle road. Um, he's an Ohio kid. I don't think he wants to be the pariah of Ohio. I also think what they did in free agency was very against the grain for what they usually do in free agency. They made a lot of moves. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a bangle. He's going to be the pride of Cincinnati, Ohio for many years. And I think that they're, the only way it wouldn't be is if there was some— crazy crazy trade offer and I think even more than like two first round picks it would have to be like three or four first round Mm. picks for the Bengals to consider it but I think I feel pretty confident speaking with Zach Taylor speaking with other people in the Bengals organization that if Burrow was their quarterback they'd be more than happy and let's keep on rolling
2: if if, who would make a trade offer like that you hear a little bit about Carolina like if there was a team that would trade up to one who do you think would be
6: I don't see it being Carolina. I would think the Dolphins, which you've heard a bit about, have the ammunition to go and get them. And if they wanted to give the first, the 18th, and uh, I believe the fifth, to to go get Joe Burrow, that is a haul to get a quarterback. And yet if you were to say, that's our franchise quarterback, we want to get him and we want to build everything around him, I don't know if Cincinnati says no to that. I would toss to you guys the first, the fifth, and the 18th. If you're Cincinnati and you have that giant void at quarterback, you know Andy Dalton's not going to be the guy. Do you say, okay, well, I, we can't say no to those three picks?
4: I think you got to really think about it. If you if there's another quarterback on the board, I think that you feel very strongly about. I think you have to think about that, um, unless you think that Burrow's head and shoulders above everyone else.
2: I, I'm just taking. If you believe in Burrow, you just take him. Don't. That's be what him.
3: I. I mean, talk about a team. And I, I get the Carson Palmer. Had a nice run there, no doubt, but a team that has had absolutely no identity for so long. Joe Burrow changes everything, and I, 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 three, I've seen Cleveland, for instance, put up three number one picks, and you know, two of the three, zero impact years later. I mean, you've got to nail those picks, too. I would go Burrow all the way.
5: There's precedent here. I've mentioned this several times on the show, but Mike Brown's the guy who turned down the biggest uh, draft pick offer I've ever seen. Uh, when when the Saints wanted Ricky Williams, um, he turned down the the entire Saints draft, another number one, another number one, and a number two, so he could draft Akili Smith. So my sense, if if Mike Brown likes a quarterback, he's taking him. Uh, at number two,
6: Can I give Peter, you the other, is, Yeah, go I ahead. I want to give you the other wild card here, and I yeah. and I'm saying this not from anyone in that building there is a whisper or a suspicion that the Patriots aren't done at quarterback and it's not Jameis, it's not Cam, and it's certainly you know, not – it might be Andy Dalton, whoever, but that there might be some interest in quarterback and they won't be able to get a quarterback at 23. I don't know if it means they want to get Burrow or if they want to go up for Tua or if they want to get Love or Herbert, but the Patriots do not have a lot of draft ammunition. The Patriots don't necessarily have many cheap veterans that they can trade to Cincinnati – But I would always put the Patriots in a conversation of a trade-up just because it seems very hard for me to wrap my arms around Stidham, Hoyer, and nothing else going into the 2020 NFL season.
3: Here's an idea for you. What if Robert Kraft, in one of the most Machiavellian moves we've ever seen, trades Bill Belichick to the Bengals for Burrow? (laughs) Number one overall, you'd make Josh McDaniels your head coach and you just fly into the 2020s and beyond.
6: I love it. I don't think I don't think Kraft is anywhere near that war room, but I do love it.
2: If uh, uh yeah, I think if Bill Belichick didn't want to work for Woody Johnson, he's definitely not working <laughs> for Mike Brown. <laughs>
4: uh the second pick, kind of a fascinating pick because you have Chase Young, uh the edge rusher that everyone raves about. It's a a chalk pick, uh but at the same time, you leave the door open in your your blurb from the sense of, you know, Tua will be out there at this point, uh most likely. And then what is going on with the Redskins and Dwayne Haskins? How do they really feel about him? If they really do have doubt, Peter, in that building about the guy they took in the first round last year, and they really loved one of these QBs, couldn't you see it being a Cardinal situation all over again?
6: Well, I could see it being even more so because at least in the Cardinal situation, Steve Kime had to look into the eyes of the owner and say, yes, sir, I did draft a quarterback last year and I'm doing it again this year. Uh, there, total. You know, Dan Snyder's looking at new faces. Kyle Smith's the GM. Ron Rivera's the new coach. Scott Turner's a new offensive corner. If they come in and they're like, this Haskins doesn't have it. We're taking a quarterback. He's got to give them the power to do that. However, and this is big because this is gonna be a story. I'm telling you throughout the draft, and I might have to change my mock draft because I've already what I'll, the comments I'm getting. There is such a mixed bag when it comes to text messages and information and confidence in Tua right now. And I think any other Mm. year because of what's going on in the country right now, any other year, a team could be wowed by Tua once they bring him into their their facility, and they do the dog and pony show and the car wash, and here's Tua on the board, and he's the most brilliant quarterback we've ever seen, and here's our doctor looking at Tua, and oh my God, his hip looks amazing, and his ankles are fine, and this kid's going to be... He's got no opportunity, no pro day, no chance to go into any of these facilities, no chance to meet with any of these coaches in person. He's literally holding up a phone and Skyping and trying to get. So I look at that and I look at Ron Rivera and say, "Okay, Rivera's a defensive coach. Rivera's looking at Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Kerrigan and Matt Ioannidis. And we have a strength here, but why not get the best defensive player in this draft and maybe in the past few drafts? add him to our lineup, and then we're an identity. We've got Chase Young. And Haskins, look, he's got a year under his belt. He's going to learn Scott Turner's offense, and then we can maybe reassess after this. Instead of taking this huge swing on a quarterback who they've never met in their building and their doctors haven't had a chance to examine since the combine back at the end of February. I just think this whole entire coronavirus is affecting so many millions of Americans, and in our little bubble of the 1% in the NFL and these college prospects... It might not negatively impact any player more than Tua just because mm. he can't show what he's got and his doctors of these teams can't see him. I don't see them with the second overall pick taking Tua based on what the circumstances are in the country right now.
2: Still feels like that's the that sort of stuff you you hear and you'll hear negative things about Tua. I'm sure leading up to the draft about a lot of you know top shelf quarterbacks you know leading up to the draft, but this is a guy. That and I'm sure you heard this stuff too. This is a guy that people thought Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, wanted. You know, 18 months ago. So this, so to me, like the the fact that they can't work him out, or you know, whether it's the Dolphins or the Lions, whoever it is that would take him, I just feel like any quarterback is such a leap of faith that I don't I, I don't buy that he'll sl- slip at all. And I still could imagine a scenario where where teams trade up with whether it's uh, Washington or Miami. Yeah, I mean no, Washington I, or uh, D- Detroit. I'd also
6: say this: Haskins got a bad rap last year within that building. Whispers came out, and I got stuff. You know, new staff, fresh page. Haskins. You know, who knows? They might fall in love with Haskins, and he's has a real opportunity these last few months to be the leader, especially in the situation this this team is in, and this organization, and every organization is where the quarterback now has more contact with the, the rest of the team and probably knows him better than a new coach. So mm. I would think Haskins has a real opportunity to get those guys under his wing and prove to that organization, no, 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 I'm the guy. Don't move on from me just yet.
4: More intrigue at pick three, uh, Peter Schrager. chatting with Peter Schrager, who's mock draft at NFL.com. Uh, you have the lines staying put right now, at Jeff, uh, taking Jeff Akuda, the cornerback from Ohio State, Um, There is so much speculation, and it makes so much sense with the Lions seemingly happy with where they are at the quarterback position to trade out of this pick and pick up a a huge bounty of picks. But you see him right now as more likely to use that pick and help their defense, which needs a lot of it.
6: Yeah, I'm not going to say Matt Patricia's got one year left or Bob Quinn, but there's there's been a couple years of, of missing the playoffs now. You're going into your third year as the head coach. You yeah, were close in a lot of games. Then you lose Darius Slay and Akuda. Who I met with at the combine, uh, we had him on Good Morning Football down there. He was fantastic. Is is one of these prospects that across the board they're like sure thing, you know? And I know no guy is a sure thing, but Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. If you want two guys that you know you could plug in right away and, and contribute at a high level, go for it. And I'm not saying. That the Lions won't trade back. But I would say this to get a sure thing and a franchise cornerstone and a guy that they know can contribute, especially if they feel like, you know, their their seats are hot or whatever it is. I, I think that's more likely than trading back and getting a bunch of second and third round picks for this thing. I, I think a coup to the Lions makes a lot of sense.
5: Oh, I'd be livid if I was a Lions fan. You had a sure thing in Darius Slay. Give me a break. How are you getting better as a team if you just go ahead and draft a cornerback after you traded the last good cornerback? I would be <laughs> so upset if I was a Lions fan and they did that.
6: Well, you're going to be paying Jeff Okuda one-tenth of what Darius Slay is going to Right, but are you a better career. team? No, but I look at the cornerback position and saying, okay, who is, it, uh, who is it out there? Okay, no, I'm Patricia. I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm a coach. Uh, uh, yeah, for forget- one more year.
2: They could have it both ways, though. the The fact that they might be trading back to five or six or or where Carolina, I mean, that's kind of having your cake and eating it too. If you can get picks and you're still getting a a top five or six player, then that's that's pretty nice for a team like the Lions who need more than just one player. There's
6: get there's going to be quite a game of poker on this Tua thing. I bet you, because I remember last year and Ian might have been the one reporting it and I'm not saying he was fed false information but I think Schefter might have had it too but like the Raiders no but the Raiders really like Haskins was like a big story and then I think Schefter had something similar where it's like wait the Raiders are in the quarterback market they had the fourth pick you know or third pick whatever it was like that stuff happens right before the draft and it's real like people will tell you that and you have to kind of wait and whatever it is I think the Tua thing is going to happen in about a week or two where everyone's going to be saying that they're hearing Tua because I think a lot of these teams might not be as interested in Tua and might want to hear what the offer is for Tua. So beware or be ready for that. And I'm not sure. I don't have one team, and includes the Dolphins, that has been banging down the door telling me, we absolutely love Tua. He's our pick if he's there. And, Mm -hmm. And I think that could be something to examine, especially if Detroit's at the three spot feeling pretty good about trading back. You're going to need someone wanting to trade up to get Tua.
4: Hmm. Well, you have the Giants. Everyone knows Dave Gettleman's never traded away a first-round pick or traded down, Uh, and you have them taking Jedrick Wills. Uh, Offensive tackle makes a lot of sense. They got their quarterback last year, and now they're going to build the line with the best offensive lineman prospect in the draft, and then at at pick five uh, and six, two quarterbacks. So you have the Dolphins, uh, yes, going with Tua, uh, and then Justin Herbert, going to the chargers with the sixth overall pick so the the big three quarterbacks come off the board within the first six picks
6: and that could flip-flop like if the dolphins take herbert i wouldn't be surprised at all if the dolphins Mm. take justin love at five i wouldn't be shocked i don't know who the dolphins have number one on their board at quarterback i do think they're taking a quarterback at five and then I would think that the Chargers would take a quarterback at six, despite all their offensive line needs and how strong an offensive line class it is. From what I gathered, they were very heavy in the Brady sweepstakes. They didn't get Brady. Tyrod's a great starter for, well, not great, but, you know, he's a starter for a year and a good mentor and all that stuff. I, I would be surprised if those two teams don't go quarterback five, six. I, I, I can't say I'm 100% certain what order after Burrow. But I think quarterback, quarterback, five and six.
3: I my mean, one note of where we are, you know, six picks in, and I, it continues as we go down your first round here, is A, it's one of the best, you know, in terms of what people are saying about it, one of the talent-richest first rounds in a long time to the point where, like, all these players seem to be falling exactly where teams want them to. I mean, I, I just, I'm accustomed to thinking if you're the Chargers and you're at number six you better trade up to get that quarterback but but there's these other guys here that make this scenario much more realistic than in the past
6: yeah no absolutely and that's why Akuda and Chase Young will be the second pick i'd be shocked if he wasn't but like Akuda's a complete wild card Jedrick Wills yes Gettleman hasn't traded back but Joe Judge is the new coach and how many different ex-patriots are front office guys now and how many patriots former assistants are head coaches now there's definitely a dialogue that could happen there where he's like hey look you know, Flores called me. I've worked with him ten years. He's gone, or Patricia's on the phone. Whatever it is, Belichick's on the phone. I think those relationships matter more so than the history of Dave Gettleman never trading back from the four spot.
4: Your next three picks, you got three defensive players coming off the board: Isaiah Simmons, uh, linebacker/safety, out of Clemson to the Panthers; Derek Brown, defensive tackle, out of Auburn to the Cards, and then Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle out of South. Carolina uh, thoughts about uh, that spot of the draft.
6: Yeah. So Isaiah Simmons, if he's there, I think that would make sense. Clemson guy, South Carolina, um, you know, state. And then obviously we've got the South Carolina and then the Carolinas with the Panthers. And I think he's fast and he's fierce and he's a leader. It's like Matt rule, like just intense. Um, I'd be surprised even, especially after the Deandre Hopkins trade, if Derek Brown was still on the board at eight and the Cardinals, who are desperate for defensive line help, wouldn't take him there. And then Kinlaw is really me with, like you said, the dart at the dartboard here. I can't tell you what Marone and Dave Caldwell are thinking, but I would say this. A lot of juice around Kinlaw after the Combine. Very raw prospect, but a guy that everyone's talking about. And after him on the defensive line, things get a little thinner. I think he's the last top-tier defensive line prospect. And knowing that the Jaguars lost Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe's probably a question mark with his future there. I wouldn't be shocked if they paired Josh Allen with Kinlaw inside and said, OK, at least we've got our sturdy frontier going forward with the Jaguars.
4: I've seen a lot of speculation that there could be four offensive uh, linemen off the board uh, in the first 10 picks. You you have it in this mock draft that by the time the Browns pick at 10, uh, there's there's just one guy off the board. So Mekhi Becton uh, goes to the Browns at 10. And then 11, another offensive uh, line needy team, the Jets, who uh, like the Browns tried to address their offensive line in free agency they will then take uh, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa Uh, that that makes a lot of sense for the Browns let's start there and then we'll get to the Jets because I have a thought on that is there any way the Browns don't take an offensive tackle if it shakes out like this where they have the pick of you know three of the four top guys
6: yeah if one of the star defensive players falls to them I mean there's a lot of whispers about Clowney maybe being signed by the Browns if the Seahawks don't strike a deal with him in the coming weeks. And if that's the case, then yeah, I think they should go offensive line. But like if Derek Brown somehow slipped or if say Akuda somehow slipped, I think they would listen to that, especially uh, knowing that they they've got, they've needed help all over the place. But to me, you've got all these offensive weapons, you know, you've got all this firepower and yet Baker Mayfield was running like a chicken with his head cut off all last season. I think that offensive line, especially when there's four guys, including Thomas, Um, Andrew Thomas, including him and Becton and Wurfs and all these guys, when they're all there, I think one of them will fall to 10, and I think that would be a safe, if not smart, decision. Mm
4: -hmm. Would you be happy with that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I I
3: think it makes too much sense. You got Jack Conklin on the right side, and they've needed two tackle spots. I can't think of too many teams with two raging voids at tackle that succeed, and so it's a great draft for it. Why not? I haven't seen a mock draft that doesn't really have Cleveland taking – a tackle at, at number 10. So I feel like you could even put up your in-laws' house on this one, potentially. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 Peter, I just it seems like a sure thing. Unless, unless like you're saying, I, Isaiah, someone j- drops to them that they're just fascinated by, it, or they say, we know that we're not going to keep these wide receivers for a round. Go grab CeeDee yeah. Lamb or someone else and blow the whole thing up. But
6: Yeah, and, and Simmons is a fascinating prospect, because at the combine we're all – you know, jaws agape and the whole thing. And I said it on the broadcast and got some heat from Clemson fans. Um, but on the combine, broadcast, I was like, it's all great and it's good and well, but like you very rarely see a roaming safety go top five. You very say, very rare see a, a a linebacker at that size, maybe necessarily. I mean, Devin White went in the top five last year, but Giants fans are doing flips for Isaiah Smith. It's not an easy plug and play. Whereas if you say this is going to be your left tackle for the next 10 years, or at least you hope so that's a lot easier sell in the room. So Isaiah Simmons, fantastic prospect, great athlete, incredible college player. I'm not so sure that there's a guaranteed top five or top ten thing with him because I'm not so sure where he fits as a comp, and I'm not so sure it's an easy plug-and-play as here's how he's going to impact our team right away. Other than he's a great defensive player. You know he's going to make plays when he gets put in the game.
4: The Jets at 11, the moves that Douglas made in free agency, and he was... Aggressive in rebuilding the offensive line. Um, not a lot of huge names on that line, but if he feels good about those guys, I don't. I don't know if you can use this pick on anything other than a wide receiver. You got Sam Darnold in his third year. What other guy that you draft in the top five? Uh, as a quarterback, how many teams can you think of never went out and got a real deal uh, wide receiver to pair him with on his rookie contract? And they've never done that for Darnold. I think if Douglas is happy with what he's done with this line, I think you address that and go get one of these guys. you got Jerry Judy going to the Raiders on the next pick, CeeDee Lamb going to the Niners The pick after that. Uh, that, Am I crazy to think that this should be a wide receiver pick 100%?
6: not crazy at all if the draft board was to fall this way yet werfs is one of these guys where it's like here's the last offensive tackle in the top tier and here's a guy who comes from kirk ferentz's offense and here's a player who's super athletic and the whole thing and i did the jets preseason games as one of the broadcasters last year alongside anthony and i i need a humble brag what a job um <laughs> with those guys and it was a disaster from day one, like in the preseason. And then every single time the Jets took the field, the offensive line was such a, a mess. And look, McGovern and Van Roten and these guys are fine, but like you're telling they're me we tack- can have a. They're
2: not, you know, they're not, they still might have the worst tackle combination yes. in the NFL right now. I mean, so I, I agree with you, Dan. It wouldn't be surprising because especially Judy and Lamb seem like safe picks. I mean, people have, the teams have missed on tackles more than anything and Judy and Lamb, they move in such a way that you just can't imagine them not contributing almost right away, and we've seen that out of a lot of receivers. That said, like I don't think he feels good about his offensive line, uh, Joe Douglas, that is, after the moves that he's made. I don't think he could. I mean, George Fant and and uh, Adoga or Van Roten are their tackles. There aren't, there aren't many teams in the NFL, I think, that would feel worse about their tackle
4: situation. I, get, I totally get that side of it. I, I guess... If Douglas, and we've been told he's an offensive line guy, um, we'll know, basically, when he makes that pick. Uh, If he really does feel good about what his free agency haul was, he's going to take the wide receiver, but if he thinks he needs the help, and if they have this guy, they're having mock drafts for all these top – Linemen are gone. If the Jets have the option of Worfs or the top wide receiver, I'm sure they're going to be very happy. It's
6: a good debate, and I think I remember when DeBrickershaw Ferguson was drafted the same year as Nick Mangold, and I remember being in Radio City, and like Jets fans are into the histrionics and the dramatics when. And Dan, you know, it's when like someone gets taken, like oh. Right. And I remember when when Ferguson got taken, they all were like pointing to their heads, like smart pick, and then Mangold <laughs> was taken. They were like, yeah, like Jets fans also like to fancy themselves as like football guys. Yeah. So, if, if the <laughs> offensive line pick is the pick over a wide receiver, don't be shocked if Jets fans all do like that, that clap. Smart, like bro. We know. Yeah, smart, you are bro. in
3: dangerous
4: territory, Peter, but uh, smart, I appreciate bro. what you're saying. Very yeah, smart. Yeah,
6: exactly right.
4: Um, all right. Wes, how you doing, by the way? I just want to say hi to you. Yeah, what's up, oh, Thanks, Dan. I'm doing what well. What do you got going on? You got takes?
5: Well, I, I was thinking that was a prime opportunity for hands on Sessler crime where two teams in obvious need of offensive tackles, the Jets trade in front of the Browns and take their guy.
4: Mm. Mm. I like that,
3: but they what to trade with the Browns or do they have to get up even higher. I I just think it depends where the, the t- it just depends that these if the tackles fall the way that Peter has it here, I think the Browns and Jets would be very very happy with that because other mocks have these guys going up a little little higher and then suddenly you're taking Andrew
4: Thomas, yeah,
6: or or the kid from uh, Austin Jackson from from USC.
4: Um, I I would think that CD Lamb would be quite a gift for Jimmy Garoppolo who goes from um, a little bit of limbo wondering if Tom Brady's going to take his job again to all of a sudden getting uh, perhaps the best wide receiver prospect on the market. That would be a nice little uh, turnaround in fortunes for Jimmy G.
6: Here's the, here's the thing. I think Oakland and San Francisco there, I think I'm sorry, Las Vegas and San Francisco. I think mm. they're both taking receivers there. And I think it's going to be a combination of the three top ones, rugs, lamb, or Judy. I've heard from people around the league that the Raiders love lamb. I've also heard that the Raiders love Judy. So I went with Judy there, and then I said, okay, the 49ers will go with Lamb, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, or if it was Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, or if it was Judy, or if it was like, you know, the order of those three is a complete grab bag at this point. I felt knowing the team needs for what the Raiders had and what they can be going for, Judy made more sense, but it could easily be Lamb if that's how it shakes out.
4: And the Las Vegas Raiders have to be thrilled if they get the first wide receiver choice on the board because what team has a more glaring need than the Las Vegas Raiders and a number one wide receiver after the Antonio Brown fiasco?
5: Fiasco's right. You're absolutely right. I saw Peter in one of the videos you guys posted uh, for Good Morning Football. You think the 49ers are getting a superstar at number 13. DJ has Henry Ruggs in that spot. You've got, um, Judy, I think, but either way you pair, if even if you pair a guy like rugs with Debo Samuel, where, you know, that theory that your wide receiver core is supposed to be like a basketball team where Mm -hmm. you've got power forwards, you got point guards, you can put the fastest guy in the draft with the most physical wide receiver in the NFL. And now you're cooking. Yeah. And, and I think
6: what's so interesting is Debo Samuel's stock over the last eight months. I mean, this was a guy who wasn't starting out of training camp last year. And yet now we got to the combine and everyone I spoke to about this wide receiver group, every single front office guy or coach. And I tried talking to as many as I can. They're all like, yeah, we're looking for that Debo Samuel type. So he's now the prototype going from a player that no. So now you pair him with a, with another wide receiver. And suddenly you have one of the best wide receiver combinations out of all the young groups in the league. And Debo Samuel as of October, November
2: wasn't even a household name. Mm. I, I think you see the depth of this class in the mocks with the wideouts outs, because I feel like in any other, in a lot of other classes last year, for instance, if lamb or Judy is in that class, there, there may be top five picks. And they're one of the people that everyone's talking about a ton going into it because they seem about as complete and as kind of bulletproof and they, they do different things well. But in, in a lot of classes, they would be one of the media's favorite talking points. Whereas here, they could get pushed down to 12 or 13. I don't know if that'll happen because I think you know the Panthers are there, the Jets are there. Uh, there are still teams you could see taking a receiver earlier.
6: I'll give you a, a quick one here. I said to a well-respected offensive coach i go give me some comps on these guys he goes well jerry judy's probably like amari cooper he says cd lamb's probably like deandre hopkins and henry ruggs is probably the closest thing is tyree kill i'm like those are three of the best wide receivers in football he's like yeah no that's and i'm not being hyperbolic i'm not exaggerating like those are the comps i'm like well that's pretty darn good if i can get that at 12 and 13 and 14 (laughs)
4: I need one of those guys on the Jets at fourteen. You have Andrew Thomas, <laughs> so the fourth big tackle off the board, and then you have a run of three defensive players: uh, Kenneth Murray, linebacker, to the Broncos at fifteen. Uh, you know some of these names; they're kind of newbies to me, so I'm going to give my do my best and correct me when necessary. Kalevon Chasen?
6: yeah, you're right,
4: it's close ed- edge rusher out oh. of LSU to the Falcons at sixteen, and Xavier McKinney, a safety at seventeen to the Cowboys. I guess it makes sense starting with 14 there, Peter. Uh, you now have Tom Brady there. Uh, might as well get that o- offensive line up to speed and as good as possible because Brady, we know, is not moving like he used to, and he never moved that well to start with.
6: Yeah, I would basically, between, I'd be surprised if the Buccaneers took any other position than offensive line, and whoever's sitting there at 14, I feel like, would be the pick. It's, that's it. And then you go down from there. I I, I think... The Kenneth Murray story is the most fascinating because this is a guy who was second round talk maybe coming out of college, and then he got to the combine and everyone's like, "Oh, he's my favorite player I met. Favorite player I met." His story's great. This is a guy who was a sophomore captain at Oklahoma. Think about all the talent that's there. He's a sophomore captain, and when he was uh, 11 years old, his his mother, who is I believe a retired police officer, and his father, who's a pastor. Um, they adopted three special needs children and Kenneth Murray helped raise them and those are like important st- important little bullet points when you walk into that room in the com- and then in his personality, he's like funny, he's self-aware and he's super, super energetic about leadership. So I had multiple teams tell me like this guy just, if, if we had a top 10 pick, we'd have to consider him. He was that much of a leader and a cornerstone and Lincoln Riley speaks the world of him. So I gave him to the Broncos who already have chubb and already have von miller and added uh, uh the big fellow jarell casey up front and a lot of broncos fans were attacking me saying well if henry ruggs is still on the board there's no way they're passing on him to get another defensive player i just think of Vic fangio and like the way his identity is and Gosh. here's another defensive leader and let's just add on to it so wouldn't be shocked if if murray went earlier wouldn't be shocked if the broncos went wide receiver but i felt like that was a good fit at 15
3: that yeah. kenneth murray story which is um there's a lot of great stuff happening there i a very similar uh, life arc to Greg.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a member. I'm going to give back to the community.
5: <laughs> oh, Is that right? The best player on the <laughs> Broncos team. A lot of similar team, bullet points. The best player on the Broncos team last year for a lot of weeks in the second half of the season was Alexander Johnson inside yeah. linebacker who sort of came out of nowhere. If you add Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, Alexander Johnson, and then this guy, that is, that's like the old 49ers four-pack of linebackers
4: there. Uh, Broncos and, fans are going to get mad at me, by the way, Peter, for even bringing this up. But have you heard anything about uh, Denver and their quarterback room and potentially making a play for a quarterback or a veteran guy? Or are they okay with Locke and the guys that are behind him?
6: No, it's a fair question. Look, everyone gets so sensitive, especially with a guy like Drew Locke who finished the season so well. I remember last year I came out and I was like, "The fort- this is at combine. I'm like, the Cardinals are taking Kyler Murray, and I just – They're taking him. And Cardinals fans were so protective of Josh Rosen because that was their. They've already invested. And that's what Broncos fans are with Drew Locke. But I'll tell you everything I've heard out of Denver is that those guys are all invested in Drew Locke. And this is not one of those situations where second round pick last year had a nice finish, but let's go get our guy. No, I think Drew Locke is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos next season.
4: All right. Fair enough. Let us keep moving. So you have rugs. Man, Dolphins fans are going to be flying. Uh, if they come out of this draft after the big free agency and then their first two draft picks, they go get uh, two playmaker, uh, you know, high visibility offensive players two it quarterback. And then Henry Ruggs, the third out of Alabama, a wide receiver to pair with two. That's what you do if you get a quarterback you love and believe in, pair him with another young playmaker at wide out. That makes a lot of sense for Miami.
0: Yeah,
6: it does. Um, if he sat there, if he was there at 18, you put him with Devontae Parker. Uh, that's fantastic. That's that's a home run. I the way the draft fell for me, that's how it went. Like I couldn't give the Falcons a receiver. I didn't think that the Browns were going to go receiver. And it was like, why is Ruggs still on the board? I don't know. If he's there at 18, scoop him up. You Skype that in. You Zoom that in. Whatever you do now in the virtual draft, that one's, that one's pretty easy. But I'm probably uh, being a little bit, I don't know. Uh, there's, no ch- there's very little chance that Henry Ruggs will still be there at 18. But the way this thing fell, that's where he went.
4: I mean, this is unprecedented, obviously, Peter, but are you hearing a lot of consternation from these uh, team builders about just worrying about the technology and the communication on April 23rd? It's,
6: I actually got a, not an argument. I spoke to one today, a coach, an assistant coach, and he was like, and the thing with Zoom is that it's so easy to hack. <laughs> it's so easy to hack Zoom. I'm like, all right. Th- There's like 80 time stories out. about
3: hacking Zoom out there right now. And it's, I love like football guys.
6: And I want to tell Schefter and I want to tell the reporters who are just running with it, like they're worried they're going to have like, Bank of America and Goldman Sachs and, 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 you know, like the Pentagon are on Zoom right now. If people are really worried about who the Rams are taking in the third round or who the Cardinals might have higher on their linebacker board, like I don't think they're all hiring hackers right now to get into it. I, I would think that the world, uh, you know, there's a lot other companies going on. This is just another company. And yes, can you hack into Zoom? Yes, I've heard of crazy stories <laughs> that the New York public school system is dealing with 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 people hacking into Zooms. But I wouldn't make that your first. Part. I wouldn't be worried about the hacking. I'd be more worried about getting your veteran coaches mm. and personnel men on the same page in different locations and figuring it out. As opposed I'm to up. you know this great fear of the security of Zoom. Yeah, if, if they're gonna do it, they're gonna go. They're gonna hack into Merrill Lynch. They're not hacking into <laughs> you know the the Philadelphia Eagles second day two draft board.
3: Put, give me a number, one to one hundred. The if you had to predict the chaos level of any technological issues happening during the draft, maybe it's one or two. I'm with you. I don't. I think tons of companies operate this way, but we're dealing with a different group of employees that maybe not all of them have operated well, they've, in I, IT
2: departments. This is, this is the time well, for they do. the NFL they do, IT departments I, to shine.
3: I'm just saying, if we have... There is the occasional gaffe in the perfect war room situation. So, like, do you see 1 to 100, what would you give this?
6: Yeah, it's going to happen. It might not happen day one. It's going to happen at some point. There, there's a million ways this could happen. It could happen when the GM is not in the same room as the coach who's not in the same room as a defensive coordinator and... You know, one of their connections goes bad, and their Wi-Fi freezes, and they make a pick, and then it opens back up. And the defensive coordinator says, "Well, why the heck did you pick him?" I I, I was screaming. <laughs> well, you were on mute. Like little things like that <laughs> to the entire thing. Like I talked to a team today, and he was like, I, "We still haven't been given clarity on how we submit the pick. Like, does it have to come from?" a text message or does it come from zoom? Like that stuff hasn't even been hashed out hundred percent yet. So it's going to be the NFL.com
2: fantasy app. They're just exactly they're right. Just you don't want to auto
6: draft. <laughs> you end up with Antonio Brown. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know where this is going to go wrong, but it leads but it will. to an opportunity of a gap. <laughs> yeah. And yes, these it men are suddenly the first or second most important people in the organization because things better not go wrong. And you better have a good it staff.
4: Oh my gosh! I mean, I said it on Monday show. We need they need to hire, or if they already have them in house, the NFL needs to send the top IT guys in the world to each of these general managers' homes or whatever's Dan, going on. That Dan, has to happen.
6: You join Good Morning Football every Tuesday morning and do a power ranking list. If I can get a power rankings list of IT departments of all 32 teams, <laughs> mm. I would gobble that up. That is a great idea That's for an That's pretty
4: article. good. Also, I could do another one. Uh, the next day, i drop the power rankings of the GMs that would need the least help and the most help. And people are going to be surprised where Dave Gettleman falls. Everybody thinks he's going to go 32. He might be a little higher than you think. Grandpa's like learning that. some like things.
6: That. That's it. He's been on Zoom. He's been on Skype. I've heard all these guys are like <laughs> – I'll tell you, I talked to Chuck Pagano. I don't think he have a problem with this. He's like, I was like, how you doing, coach? Just checking in. And he's like, I'm doing these Skype meetings. I love them. They're great. I'm meeting all these kids. And I'm like, all right, Pagano's, you know, he's not He's not 30 yeah. years old. He's on Skype. He's working it.
4: That's true. Well, Peter, uh, so we cycled through uh, the front half of the draft. You can check out the rest of Peter's write-up uh his mock draft 1.0 1. 1 through 32 and Greg you'll be happy to know that the patriots are they're turning the corner with Jeremy Chin the uh, the safety out of Southern <laughs> Illinois so you don't have anything to worry about anymore about the future of your beloved team That's I
2: it. mean <laughs> Southern Illinois it sounds perfect to me it
6: makes total sense. He's Isaiah Simmons, but with a lesser name, Jeremy Chin. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah, Patriots fans—they're going to be totally cool with that when they take a, a safety they've never heard of with the uh, their first pick. They'll—they'll they'll be fine. The that Patriots the have never—the Patriots they'll have never this. heard of
2: any of the players that they've <laughs> ever taken. Uh, you know, I—I've never remember a fan base being more upset than when they took Logan Mankins and they just yeah. put him on the All Decade Team. Thirty-second pick, first round. This
5: guy didn't play for Rutgers. The Patriots aren't going to. do fair. That's, true. That's, That's true. fair. That's true. That's fair, dog.
2: Guys,
6: I appreciate you having me on. It was a it was a return, a return to normalcy. I appreciate
4: it. Yes, and it, it is great having you on always, Peter. I'm glad that we work things out. One last thing, one last uh, loose end to tie up is we did a game on Friday called Text or Tweet, uh, where Mark and Erica mm. uh, gave us the choice to either send a a text that they've constructed to someone or a tweet that we tweet out into the ether. And when it was Greg's turn. Uh, Mark and Erica gave him a text to send to you. Um, and if maybe you could uh, pull it up, Mark, uh, uh, Greg, well, author, author uh, by Erica, or, uh, Peter. Erica actually. Uh, yeah. Peter's, I think, learning
2: that this text was not written originally by me uh, as we speak. I believe. All
6: right. So can I read you the text? Sure. Yes, yeah, so let's hear it. Because I didn't know. I didn't know it was some gag. And I answered <laughs> earnestly like an idiot. Um, Greg with two G's as it is in my phone. Let, <laughs> let me know if you need help with that Yeti microphone because I asked him about what microphone. They, I oh, they, they
2: knew this. They, I, they wrote it. It was Mark and Mark. Uh, and Erica. Erica wrote yes. this, but I, yeah. I believe it was genius.
6: I know we joke a lot, but I wanted to send you a text and just let you know that the fact that you respect me the most out of the <laughs> ATN guys just really means a lot to me. Maybe it's the quarantine that's making me so reflective, but I sincerely appreciate you and look up to you.
2: I mean, I when you told me I, that, what was my <laughs> response? Uh, when, when they gave me that that's what I have to send it. I said, oh, that's fine. I'm getting off uh, easier than anyone. I mean, it goes a little heavy on the I'm getting reflective in the quarantine, and I, and I look like a doofus that uh, it meant a lot to me that you said that. But the rest of it, uh, I was fine with uh, giving I, a little love you? out to Peter Schrager. Why not? Can I read you
6: my response? Oh, <laughs> well, sure. Because yes. I'll tell you this. Please. What happened to me he during it this off quarantine— well. Is that I became really like You know Don't sweat the small stuff Get rid of the toxic people in your life Marie Kondo Like all this crap I'm like really I'm leaning into it And I'm like you know The people that you really appreciate Let them know Like FaceTime them Tell them So I got Greg's text And I thought he was being earnest I responded back Ha 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 Three ha's Stop that you're awesome, and I respect the fact you are not one of those hardcore football guys. Instead, you're hilarious, you're smart, and you have real interests outside the game.
2: Mm. How's that? And then we just had a,
5: a nice, normal
2: conversation. Nice. So you brought us together, Erica. Look
5: at yeah. Erica you know, and Mark bringing people together. You're welcome. What do you think, Erica? I just want to say, because it's a, s- a similar type
4: well, of scenario, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> happened. No, what Peter wants to hear from you. Uh,
3: yeah, no, I, I think it. I love bringing people together.
4: Well, I'm glad that it worked out uh, between Greg and Peter, and there was no awkwardness there. There was some awkwardness with the listeners for me when I sent out my uh, tweet saying that I really wanted to hear from all of them, and then they felt like I was kind of uh, having a laugh at their expense, but we worked that out as well. The game's a little bit insidious. It's sneaky insidious, but it's, I'm glad that it all worked out for everybody. Yeah, thanks, Erica.
6: Thank you, Erica. (laughs) You're welcome, guys.
4: Peter, thank you, my man. That was a great uh, breakdown. uh, And you could look for Peter's uh, next uh, mock draft 2.0. When is that dropping again, Peter? Next
6: week, probably like next Tuesday or Wednesday. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe and uh, love, love, love the podcast. Getting us a lot of people through some weird times right now.
4: Love you, too, Peter. And Good Morning Football is kind of ramping up to speed as well. You can check it out on social, on Twitter and Instagram as they uh, look for a path in this new bizarre world we're in. Uh, So check out Good Morning Football and follow Peter on Twitter if you don't already. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Rick Hollywood, and the great Pete Schrager. Till Wednesday!